Looking for a way to make online learning a better option for your family? When it comes to virtual learning, experience matters. Tuition-free K-12-powered schools are ready to put over 20 years of experience to work for you, giving your child the personalized learning they deserve without disruptions. With a K-12-powered school, students gain the skills they need to be prepared for their next steps in life, building a better future for each one of us. K-12, education for any one. Learn more at k12.com. Hey guys, welcome to a brand new podcast on Restaurant Radio. I'm Michael. And I'm Anthony. Today we're going to be talking about the cruddy, disgusting um, panel that happened at GDC this year. Um, (laughs) It was a panel discussing how the industry is, well, I don't want to say the industry itself, I want to say the people developing games and the publishers within it, and how they feel as if the outside world, mainly legislation, you know, state and federal, are trying to censor different um structures within the video game industry such as freedom of expression and also find uh what is it like uh trend like practices within like the freedom to make us pay more money however they feel like they should yeah that whole thing you know loot boxes and all type of microtransactions any type of like you know fiscally um related things to help you make more money because yeah it's going to be one of those episodes it is so I was on Twitter when I was alerted to this. Um, someone retweeted um, this tweet about their um, panel. It's like, oh, we're in such shambles. Oh, my God. I'm going to let Anthony read the actual um, oh, description. Oh, oh yes. Can <clears throat> I get my throat clear? Global gains against game censorship are suddenly at risk from a combination of actions against our industry. With the World Health Organization classifying gaming disorder as a mental health condition and burgeoning legislation around the world against loot boxes, a handful of government officials again wield outsized power over our creative and business decisions. Additionally, augmented reality, AR, faces bans in parks, military bases, churches around the world, and a total ban in China. What are developers to do? Wait, read the takeaway, too. Ah, yes. Okay. The takeaway. Game developers and allies will get updates on the latest assaults on their self-expression and business rights, learn about potential implications of recent government changes, find out what has worked in the past, and learn how to protect themselves and support their peers. They will learn about what works in in their country, and what they can do to be an advocate for change, no matter where in the world they live and work. This is intended for all game developers and allies who want to protect themselves, their work, and their peers from video game censorship. Now, my first big gripe about this was the conflation of putting artistic censorship and business censorship, which is not even that they would be. The real word is regulation. That's the word they don't want to use. Woo! That's the real word. Regulation. They regulate a lot of these things going on. In the video game that's, yeah, that's the sound of the police. Yeah, that's, that's a hot take, like, for real. Like, saying censorship is like a... It's almost like a victim. They're like they're victimizing themselves when they're the ones imparting really crappy practices in the first place. Yeah, I mean, they've been getting away with all this shit for so long, and now it's like, hey, hey, we gotta, we gotta stop this. Now they want to cry, but our money... But the- <laughs> Like Money. it's it's so disgusting. Boxes, no. Like it's really disgusting the way they're trying to do this. Like they're coming from a very it's a place of victimization. I don't like that at all. And you all should not even be coming at us talking about oh, the No, y'all need to be looking at EA. 
Exactly. Uh. EA is the one who put y'all on front street. <laughs> EA is the one who put their head too far and made these government officials get, oh, oh, hold up, maybe. Yeah, something's not right here. Um, yeah, I'm gonna need y'all, like, you know, give us some paperwork and, you know, give us some information on what's going on. Cause, of course, they're not, like, regulating and monitoring a lot of stuff that goes on in the video game history. That's close history to history. History proves that when you go too far, <laughs> you start attracting attention that you don't want. Yeah. See, this panel was so, uh, I listened to some of the, um, some of the recordings from it and, the only part of it that I didn't, that I did think was important to learn was the ERSRB stuff because they're using that as a, well, they're censoring our games and now people don't want to buy. Like, no, the ERSRB is simply here to be informational so you know what's in the games in the first, but that's it. They're not telling you don't buy this game because it has this stuff. They're telling you, hey, you should have the ratings on it. People know and are more informed about the games. Now, it is, I, I mean, as a person who has worked retail for most of his adult life, I've seen many times when the parent comes in and tries to buy a game and we are required to tell them by law what the ESRB rating is and what it means. Now, more often than not, I will say eight out of 10 parents that I talk to about whatever's in those games, they'll go, oh, yeah, okay, that's fine. I'm aware. And they'll just buy the game anyway. So the idea that the ESRB rating stop or hurt game sales of any capacity. No, no, they don't. If anything, it gives parents the tools they need to know, well, uh, they're putting all this violence in my games. Well, now the blame is off the game developers and things because they told you. And you were told again by law by somebody who sold you the game more than likely than not. Yeah, I think that's actually fair, too. Like, this all came about because it was a GTA where people didn't know they were just buying the game really nearly and they didn't know. I mean, this this goes way, way, way back. Well, I know, I know about the, you know, of course, Mortal Kombat. Oh, talking started. about this stuff again? About the whole, because I know GameStop was mainly the first ones that kind of like Yeah, that. GameStop was because because uh, of GTA, because of Halo, because of um, Call of Duty. Ah, uh, yes. Because there were so many parents that were like listening in on their kids talk all this stuff online and we know how that goes. <laughs> and, you know, this honestly when you really get down to the issue of it it's just parents not knowing what the hell is going on because they're uninformed yeah and that's what the ersrb is supposed to be useful for to get you informed on what your children are consuming right that isn't censorship that's just you know giving knowledge to parents which the esrb as much as they talk about doing such things they really wouldn't like parents to be as unaware as possible um, back when this loot box stuff started happening and, you know, regulation, you know, that big bad word started cropping up again. That's when the ESRB started saying stuff like, oh, we'll look in the loot boxes. It's fine. No, it's, fine. it's cool. We got this. No, please don't. <laughs> uh, well. And the head of the ESRB were talking about how it, it was a big contradiction of how parents have this information and can use it, but they make it sound like they want parents to be as uninformed as possible. So, you know, just leave it in our hands. We have this. It's fine. But what we forget is the ESRB is made of the industry leaders. So, of course, it's in their best interest, interest to keep loot boxes as unregulated as possible. Of course. But we ain't having none of that. Nope. Done. They are starting to crack down on this. I'm loving it. There's all sorts of countries coming in like, nah, fam. Y'all need to do something about this. And, ooh, ooh, it's it's beautiful to see, really. It really is. Because I think the game industry especially is one of those industries where 
it's so hands off as far as like regulations and like state and federal coming in with laws and stuff so they're so used to that they're accustomed to the fact they can do whatever they want because there's no one telling them hey you can't do that or hey that's not good and wagging their finger at them they don't have that same type of like you know monitoring that every other industry has like you know movie industry the film industry any other type of entertainment has a lot of monitoring regulations where the game is just kind of like they can't do whatever they want let's see we got belgium Saying that FIFA, Overwatch, and CSGO has to get rid of their loot boxes or face fines. Yes. Not a ban, but they will hit. They will get hit with fines. Yes, yeah, what they need. Hit them in their pockets. Right? That's where <laughs> it hurts. Get them in the pockets. The Netherlands has been banning some loot boxes as of late and give publishers eight weeks to adjust. Dang. That was about a week ago, roughly. <laughs> so they got about seven weeks to do something. Wow. Korea has fined almost a million dollars because of scummy loot boxes to game companies. Yeah. Uh-huh. And wow. even those, uh, the mobile's market isn't safe either because Washington has already talked about how um, the casino games are illegal. Oh. In their state, yes. Wow. Well, it makes sense. Now, of course, we have uh, the congressman from Hawaii. He's he's always on the prowl for <laughs> getting prowl. this. <laughs> yes, he is. He is trying to get the crackdown on these loot boxes. Not even trying to ban them, just regulate them to make them more fair. Because everybody say, oh, they're going to ban my loot boxes. No. What they don't want is for the level playing ground. And that's really what we're trying to get here. Yeah. Loot boxes can stay. Under the condition that you know your chances, and they're not intrusive to the game, but they don't want that. They want this to be the forefront. They, in an ideal world, what happened with Battlefront Two would be the norm. Yeah, not a like a conspiracy theory or something, or some type of like scandal. Because that's what it became after a while. Yeah. Oh, scandals putting it lightly. <laughs> and I really do think that the games industry at large would love to have stuff like that. It's gotten to the point where now. Loot box is such a dirty word. We praise games that don't have it. Yeah, we do. Like, that's like a whole. We kind of like romanticize a different time period when we didn't have those things. Like, oh, I remember back in my day, we didn't have loot boxes and stuff. You just got stuff because you played the game a lot. Like, um, one of the seven points of Monster Hunter World. We'll, we'll never have loot boxes in our games. Some developers have gone so far as to remove loot boxes from their games. And said, nah, we, we're done with this one. So I think the loot box craze is, you know, starting to die out. But let's never forget that this came from a very, very dark place in time in the gaming world. But more to the point of the GDC. They're, <laughs> they're crying that all this stuff is called censorship. Yeah, I hate that they're using that word. Like, that's I- such a it's a it's a really good marketing word oh definitely i'm pretty sure people that were in the industry be like oh man this is a good panel let me go to this and just try it over and stuff now of course we're not going to talk about the world health organization calling the gaming disorder blah blah no that's a whole other subject that, that's, that's that's completely i feel like that was another way that was another like they conflated so many different issues in one that I didn't, I didn't, I definitely right. didn't like that. That was like really right. We gotta peel this off, right? We gotta, we gotta really get in there and get the issue that's the most cancerous. Yeah, which is business censorship. Yes, that's where it really boils down. Because the the game censorship stuff, that's a moot point at this point. Because 
we've already been down that road. We know exactly what games need to be in order to be a certain rating. The guy came in and said, Hey, this isn't a bad, like, this isn't bad. There's nothing wrong with being rated a certain thing. So yeah, take those out. So the, the, the censorship thing, the artistic censorship, throw it out. That was, that wasn't even a big point. The thing about the world, um, about, um, the world gaming, organization. yeah, about gaming being disordered, take that out too. We're gonna just focus strictly on the business censorship, or Which the business. Actually, the grossest part here. Yeah, because this. Oh God! Like, I get that games cost more money, but we've been on this before. It is not the consumer's fault for you wanting to make games with better, te- with what hyper realism and all that stuff. That is a choice. That is an artistic choice that you made. And of course, they could say, "Well, the gamer expects hyper realistic games." And one, that's just not true. Not true. The indie market is thriving with 16-bit graphic oh, games God, and things the, like that. The indie market exploded. Remember, man, when, remember back in 2011, we were like, oh, man, indie games, what's that? <laughs> now, 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 now my Switch is packed up, <laughs> packed with them, man. Man, my PS4 has plenty of indie games on man, it. Man, like, my PS4. Like, indie is like the new thing, which is good. Because it, it provides what the game industry doesn't. Yeah. And, and it's not with hyper-realistic graphics and things like that. you don't that. need that. I mean, it's great. I think if it calls for it, it's good. But I remember I was talking to somebody, ooh, I remember talking to somebody about this, this subject before. He was like, well, they need to use hyper-realistic graphics so they can compete with each other. It's about competition and capitalism. I'm like, what? Like, are you serious? And do you know why that is? Because the industry has conditioned the consumer to believe that hyper-realistic games mean good games. And that's not true! That's how we get... And because I can name you a good game that doesn't have realistic graphics and a bad game that does. Go for it. So a bad game that has those hyper-realistic uh, graphics. The Order, 1886. <laughs> one of the most beautiful <laughs> games I've ever looked at. That game is terrible. <laughs> oh, God. That game is god-awful. I remember someone was trying to argue me down about that game and how short it was and how expensive it was. I'm like, this is another moment just like a... Uh, a, a really good tech demo that got sent to press. Man, that game was under undercooked, <laughs> unfinished. It was trash. It uh, looked pretty. Now, games that don't look great, that don't have hyper realistic graphics, that are great. Okay, Terraria. Yeah, Minecraft. Oh God, Minecraft. Stardew Valley. Man, these games are doing well too. Yes, those graphics are not hyper realistic. But people love those games. Especially Minecraft. Minecraft is the like Cinderella story of indie games. Like now, I can get real deep into the indie sphere, and I can start talking Iconoclast. I can start talking Axiom Verge. Ugh, yeah, um, Guacamelee. Yeah, man, look at how far the rabbit hole goes. Man, <laughs> look. And then three. This is a new point because uh, Ninja Theory has shown you don't have to spend AAA money to get AAA graphics. Because of sinuous sacrifice. Because we have the access now. That was a barrier. Back in the 2000s, there was a barrier for companies to be able to have access to these really high-def engines. Now, you can use Unity. You can use Unreal. You can use it about anything. Like, you have access now. So that's not... Like, you can't sit there and say, Oh, well, we need to get access to these super high-def like engines in order to make... Uh, competitive games no you don't have to make market competitive games using these these engines anymore you can use all Best engines are happens. pretty much market competitive at this point let me accept bethesda we won't talk about them that's because you hate bethesda still I, I don't though you just our archives may be in um in like the ether right now but look if anyone... me, and the, me and bethesda have a love hate okay because they keep doing things that upset me but then they'll release a game that makes me love them 
But Bethesda has an engine that sucks, okay? Their engine sucks for games like Fallout 4 and the Elder Scrolls. That's why they keep re-releasing that game, even though it sucks. But that's another topic Dude, they've been releasing that game since we started Rushdown. I think that game might be the most re-released game in, like, modern times besides Sonic 2 and Tetris. Yeah. God. that's another story, like I said. So, what do you think is... So I had a question. It was popped in my head a second ago. I'm trying to re- recalibrate it. Because I'm feeling like these pounds they're having is always like garner sympathy for themselves in a way. Like, what does that say about the industry where they're feeling like they want to continue to exploit customers in order to make money? But now, since we're, since now there's a, a people stepping in and say, hey, this isn't cool. This isn't good. This is kind of like exploitative. This is kind of, well, shitty. Like, imagine, right? Imagine that you just found the oil field and you're mining the oil. You're getting all the, you're getting rich off all this oil. <laughs> but then you have government officials that come in and say, Hey, you are now mining on an endangered species like wildlife site. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they said, Okay, you got to stop. You got to stop mining. And now you have to argue them down saying, No, don't, don't stop my money. That's <laughs> my money. I found it. This is what, no. Stop! No, don't do that. So it's pretty much, and I, and I get that's a little bit of an extreme thing that, that my imagination just ran for me there. <laughs> but the point is, they're in a situation where they found something that worked that gave them near endless revenue, and now they have the government saying, "Okay, now check this out. Hear us out. This may get you less money, and they hear less money, and now they're overreacting." <laughs> this is a very extreme like reaction to something like. I remember one of the people from, um, I think someone from um, EA said they wouldn't buy their own games. No, they, I forgot who it was that said that. I, there was an interview with the people who did Shadow of Mordor, the um, some of the uh, developers. Mm-hmm. They were trying to get a straight answer out of them about whether or not they would buy loot boxes, <laughs> and they could not get a of straight answer. Of course not. No, these people know what they're doing. They know what loot boxes do, and that's why they make, they tie them in so t- closely. Yeah, Shadow of War is about to have no marketplace come uh, June or something like that. Maybe then I'll play it. But <laughs> for the longest time, I mean, they've probably made all the money they're going to get, and they realize that. So why not take it down and like yeah. remove that stigma and try and get like a new boost to sales of people who are holding out? I don't know why I have a panel about you know the used game market. I feel like that's more damaging to them than anything. Like because of ma- and you know what. I would like to say imagine a game stop stop selling the games, but in the in this case, I don't think that will hurt them as much as they think. It really would be because at this point, there's so much like access to different places having video games now that never was. I mean, for those very like niche games that I play, yeah, it would probably suck, but I could just probably I can go on Amazon and still buy the stuff. Like I can still go on. You can go on Amazon and buy the stuff. I'm going Best Buy. Best Buy is doing really good lately. They've been game, getting everything. Game rarity is at a place where it no longer exists because if you really want the game you can go and download it yeah game rarity only exists if you are really die hard about that physical copy if you it's um if let's see what's a developer that does if bandai namco came out with tales of the galaxy okay and they said we are only printing 1000 copies of this game but 
It'll be on PSN and Xbox Live. Who gives this shit if I don't get a physical copy? Yeah, at that point, I'm like, I'm getting it. Like, there's been plenty of games that were, like, digital. I'm like, oh, well, I'm getting digital. Right? I've gotten to the point where I may only have two physical games for the PS4 because it's so easy to just say, oh, I'm going to get a digital game. Yeah, it is. I'm I'm starting to get to that point, too. I used to be like, physical only, physical only, physical only. But I'm like, nah, switching this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, it really does. Like, I've been noticing more. I'm like, man, I'm just going to get a digital copy and be lazy. Now, the only time I, I care about it is if I'm really iffy on the game and I'm going to trade it in anyway. Yeah. But, and, and there has been times I wish I got a physical copy of a game because now I'm, I'm kind of done with it and it's just sitting there collecting dust. Yeah. Now I get no value over it. But that just comes with the territory of digital sales. Some storefronts, I believe Steam lets you trade in games for like store credit or something like that. For their store. I don't really know how that works. So don't, don't quote Steam me is on a that. whole other, that's a whole other. Yeah, but Xbox Live and PSN are trying to be like Steam. They know? won't ever get there. It, no. Never. I've, I finally started to use Steam recently. I got my new laptop. That's a whole different experience. That would take too much effort. That's way too different. Like that, that, that experience you get on Steam, you will never replicate on like Xbox Live and Xbox well, think mean, You mean great? Yeah, you won't get that. I'm no. Steam is incredible. Like, oh yeah, I I understand what you mean. I have been converted to thinking that Steam is amazing, despite the fact for the longest I was like, I'll never get in a PC gaming. And now that I'm an adult and I don't think that that close mindedly about things like that, I have tried PC gaming and uh, yeah, man, it's pretty good. Especially they don't have to deal with a lot of this like console crap that we're talking about right now. Now they're they're still pretty much a wild west out there, for better or for worse. Yeah, but like, I don't think they have to deal with like loot boxes as much. In the um, same way, not in the same way, and that's because their selection, their pool of games is so vast that it's really easy to ignore loot box games. Yeah, the Where- piece, the average PC gamer has no time to play other games. Because they already have a library of like a trillion. <laughs> I understand because Humble Bundle is always sending me emails every like, hey, you can get like eight games for like six bucks. I'm like, wow, why do I need all your games? And I don't. You don't. You don't. But it's eight games for six bucks. Why would you pass that up? <sighs> you know what I thought about this whole censorship where I did take out the whole like artistic censorship part? Mm-hmm. The censorship that happens in America is mainly stuff that's not made here in America. Like, they do more censorship censoring of games that are made in Japan. They do their own games that actually are here. Yeah, because Japan has has a totally different idea of censorship than we do. Yeah, definitely. Like, they'll put a teen in, like, all sorts of bikinis and stuff. But when it comes to America, they have, like, these new clothes painted on or whatever. (laughs) Their idea of censorship is way different. So, of course, there's harder censorship on that stuff. Yeah, so I'm just not understanding what was the big hoopla about them putting that particular portion in this, like, panel discussion. It felt like it was, it felt so, it felt unneeded. Of course, they do have some censorship of stuff here, but most of it does come from um, our good friends over in the West. In the east, I'm sorry. Oh, we're the west. Do you think we're gonna have more panels like this coming yes. up? <laughs> I, I, I almost anticipated. Yes, I anticipate them doing as as regulation gets stronger. I anticipate them having like more roundtable discussions about where this. 
Um, loot boxes becoming illegal is a sign that the government is encroaching on our rights. Um, uh, what are we supposed to do for monetization? Um, trying to talk to the government. Well, if you're going to take away our monetization, will you help us make games? <laughs> will, um, you, will you help us make games? <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> would they, they want like the tax breaks and stuff? Probably. Oh, get out of here. Yeah. Would you be surprised? No. I would not be surprised. We live in America. Activision were, like, had the audacity to go to Congress and ask them for a tax break to make like, a game? Like, look, check this out, man. <laughs> check this out. We, we make games and we make art. So, and if we give charities to game people, we deserve tax breaks. Wow. That's trash. I don't want that for my, I don't want that for my timeline. I don't. Look, it's hap- <laughs> it, it might. I don't want them there's going, I don't be, want them whining to Congress about this. There's going to be a panel where they just sit there with a tin can, just jingling it. <laughs> Saying games are too expensive to make because Ugh. we we had to get Steve Bloom and he's like fifty thousand dollars an hour. Right, that they make these artistic choices to be in a competitive market to make more people buy their game, and it's the. <sighs> and it's funny that they talk about how much money they spend on games, but you still have things like the strikes, like yeah. the, uh, the voice actor strike, because they're not being paid. Exactly, or they're making develop the people actually developing, making the game, making them work like eighteen hour shifts and stuff to make these games get deadlines for like why just like, push the uh, game back for people who played the latest uh, Life of Strange games. You'll notice that um, I'm just gonna call her blue hair emo girl because I don't know her name. Her <laughs> original voice actor was not a part of that game because uh, she was part of the strike where voice actors were not getting paid for their work because there was no regulation or any, like, rules in place that say voice actors should get paid the same amount as actual actors, quote-unquote actual actors. Wow. (laughs) Yes. So she passed up that opportunity to play the character she was cast for because she stood in solidarity with the other voice actors. That's good. Now, that's interesting because... How are you spending all this money on voice actors, but they're not getting paid? Because they're pocketing the money for themselves. They're not paying the develop. They're not paying the development team, obviously. Oh no, because they're still doing crunch time. They could be in there for like twenty four hours a day and not get paid as much money. But no, develop. Oh, we have to go down from the platinum card to the gold. Oh, we have. We can't take first time. We got to take business class. Ugh. We we can't we we have to stop eating beluga and whale caviar and now we have to go to some other common bottom feeder caviar. Oh God, how cra- how terrible! <laughs> Are you telling me we can't have two hundred year champagne and now have to settle for fifty year? Oh man, this that's that's no, I'm I don't want to live in that world. This is such trash. Like I'm tell you, man. One 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 time we're just gonna be sitting there jingling the can. <laughs> I wish I could sit in one of these panels one day. I'm going to try my best one day to get there, to like sit in one of them and just sit and listen and then ask questions at the end. I'm like, hey, I'm a journalist. I have a lot of questions about you people and what you're doing. And I don't know, man. They might get the ninjas on you. Yeah, you're right. EA has ninjas, I'm sure. Oh, I mean, they got hit, man. <laughs> okay. Do you have any um final thoughts about this panel that they had and where we see this going in the future? EA is trash. Activision is trash. Capcom, y'all, I got your, I, I got my eye on y'all. <laughs> Namco, Bandai, U two, 
Warner Brothers. Trash. Warner Brothers is garbage. Y'all been garbage. They sewer baby water. Man, like just, just, ugh. But more importantly, I will say that you should watch out for those price tags, okay? There's a reason why we have so many digital deluxe this and special edition that and all these extra ways to monetize Monetize, monetize my experience. Your wallets. Like, I hate that we're monetizing experiences for, like, game. Like, I feel like the game itself should be the experience and anything else extra should be, like, you know, an appetizer or, you know, cherry on top. Not make that, like, oh, if you don't get this DLC, your game experience is going to be all that great. Like, I hate that culture we're in right now. And I will say this. If you hate these kind of practices, then you need to support indie developers and developers of first-party games, because as you can see, more often than not, first-party games are almost immune to this nonsense. Oh, of course. I say almost immune. You don't see loot boxes in New God of War. You didn't see not. loot boxes in Neo or Horizon Zero Dawn or ReCore or some other Xbox exclusive that they may or may not have. <laughs> Man, Forza <coughs> got a whole bunch of um, loot boxes and microtransactions in it. I said almost. <laughs> But that was their big flagship title, though. Uh, we need to get a soundboard. <laughs> like thinking crickets. I, I, we're, you know, we're getting a soundboard. Oh, God, no. Oh, doing it. <sighs> My final thoughts on this whole subject is that I don't understand why this industry is making themselves into victims when they're doing the heinous things they're doing all for a profit that doesn't go to anybody but the the top executives at the company like that's disgusting you're crying about the fact you're not making money but the people who aren't making money are the people who suffer the most who make the games in the first place oh this is disgusting okay all right guys what do you guys think about this discussion um we're gonna probably link the um the um what is it the gdc um like the i guess the transcripts i'll put that in the description so you'll be able to listen to it and have your thoughts on it. You can, then you can listen to us and see what we thought about it. And you can have a discussion and a dialogue about it. Um, go to our website at www.restaurantradio.net. Um, go to our Facebook page. Go to our Twitter. Go to our YouTube. And yeah, guys, we'll see you next time. Looking for a way to make online learning a better option for your family? When it comes to virtual learning, experience matters. Tuition-free K-12-powered schools are ready to put over 20 years of experience to work for you, giving your child the personalized learning they deserve without disruptions. With a K-12-powered school, students gain the skills they need to be prepared for their next steps in life, building a better future for each one of us. K-12, education for anyone. Learn more at k12.com.